0: Welcome back to another episode of Meredith with Why. I am your host, Meredith Willits. And if you haven't listened to the last two episodes, I strongly suggest you go back and listen to the last two because this is going to be about attachment disorders and it is powerful. So stay with me. Hello everyone, this is Meredith with a Y and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today we are going to go deep, changing lives and I am giving you the keys to the castle. So today I'm going to discuss further this concept, this theory of emotionally immature parents. And I myself have been guilty of being a horrific emotionally immature parent. And so today I'm going to talk about, again, this is from the book, which I highly recommend. It has been life-changing. It has changed everything about my life. Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, How to Heal from Distant, Rejecting, or Self-Involved Parents. This has been life-changing. This has put me on the couch for four weeks. This has changed my life more than anything that I have ever read in my entire life. No amount of counseling, no amount of therapy has changed my life as much as this. And I'm going to tell you, my entire existence is self-help. I am a life coach. That is what I do for a living. But this has changed everything. And today I'm going to talk about how it feels to have a relationship with an emotionally immature parent, chapter three. We don't get a vote on who our parents are. Our strongest bond is to our primary attachment parent, the one we turn to first, if scared, hungry, tired, or ill. We may seek out others for play when we're feeling good, but stress or an urgent need will send us scampering back to that principal caretaker. Although I highly believe that we do choose our parents when we come into this reality. At the same time, as children being born into this human experience, we don't know that we chose them. All we know is that the shit show that we are involved in as a family isn't working for us. And not only do we not understand that we chose our parents, or why, or what we're supposed to be learning from this, we don't have the language for abuse. We don't have the language for attachment. We don't have the language for narcissism. We don't have the language for alienation. We don't have the language for lack of intimacy. We don't know. Sure, it's easy, again, to recognize physical, sexual, emotional abuse maybe, but do we have the wherewithal to understand attachment disorders when we've been left behind, when we have been told, go to your room and cry about it? You're okay. I'll give you something to cry about. Relationships with emotionally immature people can be profoundly painful communication is difficult with them or impossible. If you're going through something emotional, if you're going through pain, if you're going through a trying time and you come home to what is supposed to be the safe space and you still believe it's a safe space because maybe everything else around you has crumbled and you're dealing with an emotionally immature parent who has no capacity to hold space, zero capacity to support you, and even worse, maybe makes it worse, this is going to be very difficult or impossible. If you've been trying to relate to an emotionally immature parent with poor intimacy skills, these interactions may have made you feel shut down, shut up, or shut out. Even if your parents at the nicer, warmer end of the spectrum, he or she probably has a very narrow window of attention regarding other people's interests. Holy shit. If you have a child who wants to dance or act, but you are an emotionally immature parent who's only capable of dealing with maybe football players or academics, If your kid wants to be a chef or an artist and you're an emotionally immature person who can't conceptually understand how your child is going to make a living and so you shut them down, how do you think that kid feels? Why do you think all these kids are having suicidal ideation? Why do you think these kids are shutting down and detaching and turning towards alcohol and drugs Because the reality that you have put them in says, don't be you. You're dangerous to my happiness because I can't handle who you are. Shut it down. No, you're not gay. No, you're not queer. No, you're not a Republican. No, you're not Buddhist. They can't take it. You're outside of the box you're outside of their comfort zone. You live in the gray, and the gray is unsafe. Emotionally immature parents provoke anger. You would expect that a child of emotionally immature parents would be sad, depressed, or despondent. But I'm here to tell you, and so is the book, that anger is actually a very typical response to alienation and abandonment. Anger and even rage are adaptive reactions to feelings of abandonment, giving us energy to protest and change unhealthy emotional situations. Anger is a normal reaction disassociation is a normal reaction. If you are constantly told by your family that something is inherently wrong with you, that your happiness, that your sadness, that your fear, that your joy, that your anger is inappropriate, that what you want to be when you grow up is inappropriate, that the way that you think is unacceptable, how in the hell Do you think that that kid is not going to lose their shit and want to check out? And then the parents still make it about them. What have I done? Not my kid. And I'm not saying this is all, you know, children that have gotten themselves into these situations. But to me, it makes sense. To me, it makes sense. I know from myself that my behaviors were a direct result of a lack of intimacy, a lack of a safe space to be and exist as a teenager, as a child. It was unsafe for me to be me. I was too sensitive. I was too much. Sometimes children of emotionally immature parents repress their anger or turn it against themselves. Perhaps they've learned that it's too dangerous to express anger directly, or maybe they feel too guilty about their anger to be aware of it. When anger is internalized in this way, people tend to criticize and blame themselves unrealistically. Why do I feel this way? Why do I want more? How dare I? Shame, guilt, resentment, anger, detachment. They may end up severely depressed or even having suicidal feelings. The ultimate expression of anger against the self. And I'm going to tell you this. When I make mistakes as a perfectionist, and that is not a a term of endearment, when I make mistakes as a people pleaser, my fight or flight response goes into high gear and is a shame spiral. And what is the greatest expression of shame and self-worth lack, is suicidal ideation. That's the fastest way out of here. That's the fastest way to escape those feelings. You want to disappear because here comes emotions that you are incapable of dealing with. And when you can't deal with an emotion because you are emotionally immature, because you are incapable of understanding your emotion or you're shameful because you are even having these emotions, how do you get out? Stop feeling. How do you stop feeling? You get out. Emotionally immature people do not do the work. If you are listening to my podcast right now, if you are on my TikTok page, if you follow me in general, you most likely are doing the work. You care. You're self-reflective. You want to do better. Emotionally immature people are not listening to this podcast right now. They want nothing to do with my mumbo jumbo. They want nothing to do with this book. They want nothing to do with emotion or self-reflection or self-help. They think it's a bunch of bullshit. They don't try to understand the emotional experiences of other people, including their own children. If accused of being insensitive to the needs or feelings of others, they will become defensive, saying something along the lines of, well, you should have said so. They might add something like, I'm not a mind reader, or they might dismiss the situation by saying the hurt person is overly emotional or too sensitive. However they respond, the message is the same. They can't be expected to make the effort to understand what's going on inside other people. I have no filter. Who's heard that one? I have no filter. I just have to say what's on my mind. And you can just deal with it. That means all they're saying is is that my feelings matter. Yours don't. My feelings matter. What I'm doing matters. Some people don't always realize they need emotional comforting. Since emotional needs are often vague or subconscious, other people might hide their need because they're ashamed to admit it. So helpers must offer comfort tactfully and obliquely, allowing the person to save face. Emotional labor is a lot of hard work. People doing this work must also keep reading the other person to know if their efforts are effective. Emotionally immature people, on the other hand, often take pride in their lack of this skill. They rationalize their impulsive and sensitive responses with excuses like, I'm just saying what I think. I can't change who I am. If you confront them with the fact that not saying everything you think is a sign of good sense and that people can't mature without changing who they are, they will probably respond with anger or by dismissing you as ridiculous. Being and having empathy for another human being is too much because they were told that they were too much. And so they have shut down access to their emotions. And now they're doing the same thing to you. They're shutting you down. They're saying you're too much. It's too much. But once we recognize what we're doing, There's possibility of change. Emotionally immature people resist repairing relationships. Problems are bound to come up in any relationship, so it's important to know how to handle conflict in ways that help the relationship weather the storm. It takes confidence and maturity to admit to being wrong and try to make things better. Emotionally immature people do not say, I am sorry. I actually have relatives who tell me that it is a weakness and that they will never say they're sorry. Talk about standing in your own wrong. They can't admit that they might be a problem. They can't admit that they might be the issue. It's too much because then they will have to take on those emotions. They live in a black and white reality where in the black, in the right, in the wrong is the only place that is safe. Emotions are unsafe. When I had my friend break up, I couldn't deal with my emotions. I couldn't deal with how I was feeling. It was unsafe. Talking about the fact that I had just been hurt was unsafe. It broke down everything inside of me. It destroyed me in that moment. And it set me on this beautiful path and journey of figuring out why. I had been shut down over and over and over again and told that my sensitivity was wrong. My big emotions, my big self. And I'm really, really pleased. To say that over the past week, I have felt myself revert back to who I was when I was younger and felt safe when I wasn't judging myself quite so much. Emotionally immature people only feel good about themselves when they can get other people to give them what they want and to act like they think they should. Given the shaky self-worth, it's hard for emotionally immature parents to tolerate their children's emotions. An upset or fussy child can stir up their anxiety about their own fundamental goodness. If they can't immediately calm their child, they may feel like a failure and then blame the child for upsetting them. I'm going to tell you this right now. If you were raised by an emotionally immature parent and you have not done the work to undo this in your own life, there is a really good chance that your kids' discomfort is like, they're like bullets to your system. Any type of disturbance is an attack on your nervous system. And if you are feeling overwhelmed by your children, by the world around you, by humans, there's a good chance that you are also suffering from emotional immaturity, avoidance, anxious attachment etc because you are mirroring the world around you your very being is in relationship to the world around you your happiness is in relationship to the world around you emotionally immature people see roles as sacred and this is huge when it comes to society This is huge when it comes to having a child that is not heterosexual, football playing, cheerleader, artist, straight A student, good girl, nice boy, boy, right? If there is anything emotionally immature people are keen on in relationships, it is role compliance, role compliance. As parents, emotionally immature people need their children to play a proper role that includes respecting and obeying them. They often use platitudes to support the authority of their role as a parent because, like roles, platitudes oversimplify complex situations and make them easier to deal with. Show me a parent that is incapable of accepting their child as being LGBTQ+, autistic- ill, whatever. And I'm going to show you an emotionally immature parent. And if you are dealing with that, if you are dealing with a child who is left of center in any way, and you are having a hard time coming to grips with that, you need to do this work. You need to do this work. Role entitlement is an attitude of demanding certain treatment because of your social role. When parents feel entitled to do what they want simply because they're in the role of parent, this is a form of role entitlement. They act as though being a parent exempts them from respecting boundaries and being considerate. You will see this time and time again of uh, parents of adult children. You should invite me over because I'm your mother. You should treat me this way because I'm your father. You should take my advice because I'm your parent. You should should put up with my bullshit behavior because I'm your mom. Even though you're a grown-ass person who takes care of your own bills, because I've raised you, I am entitled to good treatment no matter how shitty of a parent I am. And this is why we're seeing parental alienation, if that's what you call it, or where you, you know, where you decide I can't be around you anymore. This is why. Because the parents feel entitled to good treatment without healthy boundaries and without self-reflection and good behavior. You aren't entitled to shit as a parent when your kids are grown. Nope. Role coercion. Role coercion occurs when people insist that someone live out a role because they want them to. As parents, they try to force their children into acting a certain way by not speaking to them, threatening to reject them, or getting other family members to gang up against them. Role coercion it often involves a heavy dose of shame and guilt, such as telling a child that he or she is a bad person for wanting something the parent disapproves of. Show me someone who went to the wrong college, the different career path, whatever. This is what we're talking about here. You have to live a certain way to make me happy. You have to exist inside of the role or I'm going to make you feel shamed. I'm going to get all of the people to go against you. Codependency. Being the bad seed and having everyone gang up on them. Right? I need you all to exist in a certain way. I need everyone to be he, she. I need everyone to be a boy or a girl. I need everyone to believe in this, this way. I need everyone to be Christian. I need everyone to exist in this very specific way and not wear a hijab and not and not and then and yes to make me comfortable. Can you imagine how immature this is? Although emotional intimacy and enmeshment can look superficially similar, these two styles of interaction are very different. In emotional intimacy, two individuals with fully articulated selves enjoy getting to know each other at a deep level, building emotional trust through mutual acceptance. In the process of getting to know each other, they discover and even cherish differences between them. I'm going to tell you one of the best things that I have ever done in my entire life is visit countries of people that are nothing like me. They don't look like me. They don't have the same religion as me. They don't eat the same food as me. They don't have the same practices as me. You want to be a fly on the uh, in the planet? Go visit a place that the people are nothing like you, and you will start to understand reality. Get out of your community. Get out into the world. And learn about other people that don't look like you. Get complex. When I was visiting India, we had the most amazing guide who I'm still friends with to this day. And this was from years ago. And I was going to go to an ashram one day. I'm like, I'm going to go to an ashram in India. You know, I'm going to do the thing, right? I'm going to immerse myself into an ashram. And you know what he said to me? If you want to change yourself, let's go be with the people, the people of my country, the food, the culture, the music. Let's go in the back roads and meet people and experience what India has to offer. An ashram with a bunch of white people from the United States doing yoga, sitting lotus style? Yeah, no. You could do that down the street. Why do you think America is so wacky? Because we have been ingrained that it is the greatest country on earth and we do it the right way. And everyone that doesn't do it our way is wrong and broken and backwards and third world. And they don't know what they're doing. And that's not right. The world does not have to change to make an emotionally mature person comfortable. An emotionally mature person is comfortable in who they are in other situations around other people. Emotionally immature people play favorites. It can be hard to watch your parent give attention to a preferred sibling, making you wonder why your parent never showed you that kind of interest. But obvious favoritism isn't a sign of a close relationship, it's a sign of enmeshment. It's likely that the preferred sibling has a psychological maturity level similar to your parents. They are willing to play the role. They are willing to be the victim. They are willing to be the parent of the parent. They are willing to succumb to whatever it is. We've seen this before. The kid that kisses the parents, asking, God, and gives in to the emotional immaturity of the parent, And just feeds it and feeds it. Of course that parent wants that kid around. And usually it's an adult. They feed it. They feed the immaturity. They feed the ego. Enmeshment can take the form of either dependency or idealization. In dependent enmeshment, the child is maladjusted and the parent plays the role of either rescuer or victim. Where do we see that? Munchausen syndrome by proxy. The parent gets off and has its ego filled by having this sick kid. And if the sick kid isn't really sick, they will talk that kid into being sick. We've seen it over and over again. So that then they can be the caregiver, the loving parent. The thing that I also found interesting in this book and so hits home is that emotionally immature parents are very capable of loving a sick child loving a sick child because it feeds their freaking ego. They're safe. They're sick. I get this. This makes sense to me. I remember getting my wisdom teeth pulled out when I was 19. I stayed at my mom's house for four days, probably the greatest four days of my life. I slept for four straight days, I got soup. I got all the things that I needed. I felt cared for. It was safe. I was sick. And you know what burns my biscuits? Is that when I was 23 years old, my oldest son was very, very ill. He spent three years in and out of the ICU. And it breaks my heart that that was probably the most comfortable I have ever felt being a parent up until today. I could fill that role all day long. Going to the hospital, driving to doctor's appointments, checking boxes, giving the medication, doing all of the things that I needed to do. And did I love him? Of course. But it was easier that way. And in all honesty, when he was two weeks old, and I made the conscious decision in my brain and heart that there was a very, very good chance that he was going to die. And I came to grips with that. Something inside of me emotionally died and agreed with all of the stifling I have ever done in my childhood that being emotional isn't safe. It was just one more nail in the coffin one more opportunity for my brain to go, yeah, stuff it down. When my husband of the time looked at me and said, be strong for him as he's one day old in an isolate with every tube and breathing machine and monitor, and I couldn't touch him. And my husband at the time said, be strong. And I know he said that with the best of intentions, but what I needed at that moment was to fall apart. I needed to crumble, not stuff it down. I needed to just dis- become a disaster and not shield myself. Many times people that have emotionally immature parents will find substitute humans for family members, friends, coworkers. They will go deep into those relationships. They will become intimate emotionally with people. And this is what I did. I went and looked for that. Kept pulling, oh, this, oh, this boyfriend, he's the real deal. He's the one at 19 years old. Well, of course he was the one. He held space. He paid attention to me. Don't sit there and chastise women for going from one relationship to another relationship or even men from one relationship to another relationship looking for a connection when you as the parent have done absolutely nothing to connect with your child. Don't be pissed off when your 16-year-old doesn't come home. Don't be upset when your 17-year-old is out there getting wasted every night. Because that's easier than being told that you're broken. That's easier, and this is where you get the gaslighting. I mean, I can look to a parent and say, "Look, th- there was abuse," and each and every time they will say, "No, there wasn't," because they can't deal with that kind of emotion. They can't deal with that. It's too much. They can't. Mis- they cannot admit mistakes. They cannot admit flaws. An immature parent has an immature sense of time limits, self-reflection, and accountability. Self-reflection is the ability to analyze your thoughts, feelings, and behavior over time. People who focus mostly on the present moment do not have enough of time perspective to engage in self-reflection. If you get into an argument, if you have an, an encounter with an emotionally immature person, they expect you to get over it immediately. They expect you to be over it and done with it and move on. They have no ability to understand that you might be hurting inside because they're not hurting inside. They're not in pain. They have felt no emotion. They have completely checked out of that. They're not feeling anything. You're feeling something. You're the one that's in pain and they want you to get over it. They want you to get over it fast. They want you to get over it immediately and they want no ramifications for their bad behavior. They leave the past behind, freeing them from a sense of responsibility for their actions. When someone feels hurt by something they did in the past, they tend to accuse the person on dwelling on the past for no good reason. They don't understand why others can't just forgive, forget, and move on. Because of their limited sense of the continuity of time, they don't understand that it takes time to heal from a betrayal, which means they don't want to take accountability either. They want no future consequence for their behavior. They are unable to observe their own behavior because of their lack of self-development and poor personality integration, along with their tendency towards extremely concrete and literal thinking. Black White, no gray. Emotionally immature people have a poor sense of personal history and resist being accountable for their past actions or future consequences. Lacking a firm sense of self, they think their family closeness means enmeshment with people existing to mirror each other. Real communication is nearly impossible because of their poor empathy and rigid emphasis on roles. Are you only comfortable when the people around you are behaving the way that you need them to, to make you feel good? Are you willing to apologize? Are you capable of putting yourself in someone else's shoes? And if the answer to that is no, it's time to do the work. Again, this is from the book, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, How to Heal from Distant, Rejecting, or Self-Involved Parents. And again, this is not a blame game. This is just a matter of recognizing where you are, what you're doing, and how you can get through this. And as the weeks come on, I'm going to continue to talk about this on my podcast because there is a whole chapter on this healing fantasy that I will tell you this right now is a game changer. If you can comprehend the healing fantasy, you it is life-changing. It is the if-then thinking. If I get this job, then I will be happy. If my parents acknowledge me, then we will get closer. If-then. And we do this everywhere in our life. Every single person should be required to read this book. It is absolutely life-changing. Because once you can start to see the behaviors of emotionally immature people, it doesn't matter if it's coworkers or siblings or friends or parents. It doesn't matter. It could be someone at Starbucks. If you can recognize and go, oh yeah, this person refuses to take accountability. This person is, you know, blowing the horn at me, even though they cut me off. They can't take accountability. They haven't taken accountability in their whole life. And you think they're going to take accountability with you at Starbucks? Not going to happen. Your parents are not going to wake up one day, call you on the phone and say, oh, hey, guess what? I know your childhood was a shit show and I beat the hell out of you and you were grounded all the time and I was emotionally and physically and mentally abusive to you. Let's talk about it. No one's getting that conversation. No one's getting that call today. No one's getting it. No parent is calling their kid today and saying, hey, I know I manipulated you from childhood to bow down to me and play a role and pretend like you're someone that you're not. No one's getting that phone call today. So how do we live inside of all of that need? How do we live inside of all of that want, all of that desire? How do we live inside of a space where we can't change any of that? How do we live and go to Christmas and go to Thanksgiving and have people over and be inside of this world when we know these emotionally immature people are running around rampant in society, incapable of closeness and connection and gray and beige, where they have to be defined by the role that other people play? This is where you see, you know, people looking down on people. Oh, you're just a server. You're just an artist. You're just a garbage truck person. You're just a you're just an electrician because they have defined these roles and defining the roles as less than makes them superior. This is where you see racism. This is where you see bigotry. I in my mind have defined people of color in a certain way and they have to exist there or I will die. Right? Why do you think people were so pissed about Barack Obama? Why do you think people are so pissed about Kamala Harris? They're out of their role. They don't like it. Makes them uncomfortable. Threatens their ego. It threatens their security. I saw a great video the other day. This girl, she was, I don't know, I don't remember the business that she was in. She may have been going to nursing school. And she was talking about how this black woman and her were in this class. It was either teacher or nursing school. And this black woman was just excellent at everything that she did. She she nailed every assignment. She was just successful in everything that was going on. And this white girl just hated her for it. She just hated her for it. She was just so irritated by this black woman. Until she recognized that she was being racist, that in every role, in every movie, in every TV show, in every book that she'd ever read, the Black woman, the Black person, was always the supporting character, not the main character. The white woman, the white person, was the main star of the show, with the person of color being the supportive role. And so, this woman excelling in everything that she did while this white woman was struggling was challenging everything that she had ever seen and known. That she was actually being racist in her emotions and in her thought process, although hidden inside of her, it was still there. We don't even realize sometimes how we are thinking about the world around us, we don't even recognize that we are looking down on people. We don't even recognize how we have assigned a role to a human, to an experience, to an emotion, and how staying in that lane and everyone staying in that lane, in their lane as supportive character, as less than, as blue collar makes us comfortable. Because if you challenge those thoughts, your ego is shattered. It challenges, pushes too much. I got to tell you, this has been absolutely life-changing for me. This has been one of the hardest four weeks of my life, the most challenging, the most undoing that I have ever experienced. And it has been so good I could not be where I'm at in this moment had I not done the work. I challenge you. I beg you. Send this podcast. Send this book. I I have texted it to probably 10 people. You got to read this book because I'm nuts that way. I want everyone to feel this good. I want everyone to understand their parents. I want everyone to stop scratching and clawing and trying to get everyone around them to show up the way they need them to. Because just as much as your immature parent can't handle you being the way you are, your immaturity also needs your parent to show up the way you want them to. Thank you so much for listening. Please send this to someone that you think might need it. If you haven't, again, if you haven't listened to the first uh, two episodes of this series, go back and listen. Go out, buy the book. It's on Amazon. I bought, I think, the large print book because my son asked me if I was reading a third grade book. Again, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents by Lindsay C. Gibson. I get nothing from you buying this book. I have no affiliation to this book. I just think that it is life-changing and I want all of you to be in the great headspace that I am in right now. And I still have a few pages to read, so I'm not even done yet and I'm over here doing a podcast on it. But Thank you guys so much for showing here again this week. I really appreciate each and every one of you, and I will see you here next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y For behind the scene footage and outtakes, please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers.